How scary is it? Yep. Hi, Brie. Hi. We haven't nailed it down. Once we're done with this like batch of recordings that we're doing before we go back to school. He's for- going to want me to perform un- um, unpaid labor and try to figure out what our opening is going to be. We got to get our shit together <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think it's the death of the skip beedly You think it's the depth? Death. Oh, the death of skippy beedly Dean? Yeah. What? Yeah. I what do you think we should do I think next? it doesn't fit the vibe. What would fit the vibe? Um, organ music. I was thinking organ music. I'm literally, <laughs> we're like, we're on the same wavelength here. Yeah, I was, I, I, I was going to go skippy like organ music. I think... We're going to play with an online organ for a I little think, bit. Uh, I really wanted to get like, um, I want it, I want it to be synthy a little bit. We tried the synth sound. It doesn't sound good. Uh, no, because we're not musicians. That's why. <laughs> I should be able to, though, look at a like piece of music and play it. Do you know how to read music? Yes. You do? I do know how to I read. I do not know how to read music. I'm, I did music for like eight years of my life. Actually, longer. 11 years of my life. You but, have to so learn. you know like what um, I know like what, the symbols mean and everything? Yes. I know what every symbol on music means. I can read like the time signature. I can read the like what key it's in. Like I know how to do that. I am so like for for all the other things that I'm good at. Like I am pretty okay at drawing cartoons. I'm pretty... A pretty you you told me the other day you're like you're you have like all this knowledge about movies but then like science is like nothing <laughs> for everything that i am knowledgeable about and i'm good at the one thing that i'm not talented with at all and i've acknowledged this is music i'm terrible with music i, I don't music. have the ear for two things in this world two things Bree, that i found that i have come to an agreement with myself in that i am just not good at first is music second can you guess it um music and athletics oh well yes that's one <laughs> but not the one that i was thinking of. <laughs> he cannot toss a ball or catch said ball food oh yeah he's a really bad cook <laughs> food i don't have the palate i don't ha- i can't identify he flavors he's not he he's not loosey goosey enough to cook. No, I'm very rules based, so like I can follow a recipe to a T, but I can't go off the recipe. And at I'm all. trying to explain to him. I made dinner last uh, the other night for him, and I made this pasta bake. I had never made that pasta bake in my life. Mm-hmm. It was not from a recipe either. Yeah, it was just like I think this will go good together. Yeah, see, I can't do that. Then, I do not have the mind or the palate. And we for had it. it two days in a row. That's it. That shit was good. Yeah. <laughs> and then the maple bacon cupcakes that I make, that Anthony has begged me for months to make, those, those were created out of me just being like, let's see if this works. Mm-hmm. Like I, this is a secret to a maple bacon cupcake. So if you're writing it down anywhere, when you make cupcakes, instead of adding oil. You add bacon grease. <laughs> the oil part is bacon grease. And if you don't have enough bacon grease to like fill up the amount of oil you need, you, of course, can add vegetable oil. It's important that you don't add like an olive oil or an avocado oil. It has to be vegetable. 
and bacon grease. And then you put bacon in the cupcake batter and also I was eating on one top. of those this morning and I caught a couple pieces of bacon inside the cupcake and it was like a pleasant surprise oh well, all the ba- every cupcake has bacon inside of i know it. but like these were two very distinguished pieces of bacon bacon, bacon. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it delicious when you bite yeah. into the cupcake anthony's mother for anthony's birthday last year she bought oh, yeah. cupcakes from this like cupcake person and his mom's like they're maple bacon cupcakes no, they're not. First of all, they were not as there was n- good. The bacon as- was only on top. It was only a garnish. Mm-hmm. That's not a maple bacon cupcake. It was you basically a, a, a maple cupcake. It was a maple cupcake yeah. with bacon on top, and it wasn't even a, like a lot of bacon. It was like a strip of bacon on top. That's not how I make my maple bacon cupcakes. There has to be ma- there has to be bacon in the batter of the cupcake. Well, no, it's layering and it's making sure that everything is evenly distributed. So it is a maple bacon cupcake. It's like you put bacon inside the batter so it cooks with the cupcake. So when you take a bite out of the cupcake, you get some maple and some bacon. It's like I was watching this video that went viral um, about. Did you see the one the video about the um, Cinemark movie theater popcorn guy? So like. This guy is like, he's, oh, he's like, like flare popcorn. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like doing the butter and he's like, but he evenly it. distributes the butter. So like he'll scoop a little thing into the, into the he'll bucket, do the butter and he'll, mix, he'll mix, butter, mix. mix, scoop more in butter, mix, scoop more in butter, mix, instead of just putting butter on the top layer and hoping that it trickles down to the bottom. Like it's, it's like flare bartending, but it's flare popcorning. <laughs> And people online were like dragging this guy. Like I can't. Uh, like he makes the uh, the stupid job. Uh, you know, uh, like he what a loser for trying to be cool while doing this. And people are like, no, maybe he just like really likes his job, or maybe he's just like trying to make it fun. It's like I I went off on a tangent. That was not I, my no, point. Was but distributing. I, sometimes the food. I feel like people are like, why are you glorifying this? job like it's not even like a good job i worked at a candy store like you had to make the job fun because dealing with people sucks mm-hmm. and like the I felt way the same way when the I worked way at the people behave shop. around food is disgusting yes and those of you that are listening that have worked or are working in the customer service industry in general or food industry dealing with people who think that they're entitled to something because they're patron they're being a patron of that business i have just based on my experience working at the ice cream shop in high school and in my couple of years of college we would often come across customers who felt like since they have waited because we were an outside cafe so people had to wait in line outside since they waited so long since they drove so far since they're giving us their money that they can talk to the workers any way that they want and it's like dude i just work here i'll be like also (laughs) now you're banned and goodbye like well i had a situation when i was there were a couple situations when i was working at the Uh ice cream parlor but um like people would just yell at you because because i screwed up something on the order it's like if if i screwed up and i acknowledge that i screwed up i'll just fix it and you can keep whatever i screwed up on and um people would just yell at us and it's like at a point, you want to be nice because you are you want to keep your job. But it's also like, dude, you can't talk to me that way. Like, you don't talk to people that way. Especially the people that are handling your food. 
<laughs> you know? Also, if you've worked in customer service like we have, I would rather grin and eat it if it's wrong than bother a single person at all. Well, so what was the one thing that I think we read online at one point where it's like one of the biggest red flags of a first date is how People do they treat are, the wait yeah, staff? Yeah, if you're rude to wait staff. I am lucky because I have the most non-confrontational human being as a partner. I, I'm pretty confrontational if I feel as though like I'm being wronged. But like... You know me. I don't have a problem going up to people. But for the most part, like when we eat, like you're like, are you happy with it? Like you make sure like I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll just deal with it. And you're like, no. Like if you want it fixed. I was like, no, I can eat it. And I like I'll use... You're non-confrontational. I don't like... I don't want to bother people. Like if... It's different if like they, I ordered like steak and I got like salmon and I was like, I don't want to eat. But there, there's there's being confrontational and then there's being a jerk, you know, where it's like if they screwed up your order and it you didn't want it fixed, but I, I, you really did want it fixed. I would have no problem asking the waiter or the waitress like, you know, she ordered this thing and it's not correct. Is there any way that we can fix that? That's a nice way of like being polite, but saying like, you know please fix the thing that we screwed up on and then there's not saying thank you or not saying please being impolite and that's where the red flag comes in i think of treating the wait staff like horribly well i'll never forget one time i was going home from work and i worked at a um at a community center and i was going home from work i stopped at the mcdonald's that was across the street and I had ordered something, gotten it. It was in the bag. I didn't check it before I left. I got all the way home, which was like a 10-minute drive. It's happened to me it's, before. It's not bad. The best I, of us. I open up my bag, and I'm like, son of a gun. My order's wrong. And my mom's like, just eat it. And I'm like, no, mom. They gave me something like I don't eat. Do you I, remember what you no. ordered and what was given? I think I ordered like a, like a double cheeseburger, and I was given like chicken nuggets. <laughs> And I You're was probably like, giving somebody else's order. I you know. And I was like, I'm like, my mom's like, are you going to go back? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And I had to go all the way back and like go inside and like show my receipt and be like, this is not what I ordered. And I don't like to do that because that like it makes me feel bad. But at that point, I was just like, Anthony remembers when I used to work at the mm-hmm. the, the community, community center. center. That dress, that job stressed me out. Yeah, you would. You were the one that was that basically w- in charge of breaking everything down uh, when people would have like parties in there. So like they would leave this huge mess, and I'd have to clean it up. And then I would be there hanging out with you, and then I'd have to help. <laughs> and there was like this point where I'm like, I was, I did it, I did the breakdown and stuff by myself and it took long. Like that's the only good part. Like you, you get paid until like you're done, like you're done cleaning. So like I could take as long as I needed, but it was just like, it was late. This was a time where I was, I was working and going to school and student teaching all at the same time. So my year where I was, when I was teaching, usually you don't have to take a class when you're student teaching, but the 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 program decided to add one more class. I had to take a class to, when I was student teaching. They had they decided to add one more class 
during student teaching. Like now we have this one more credit class you need to graduate and you have to take it while you're student teaching. And it was all about assessment. And I was taking that class about assessment. I was working like almost full time and I was teaching like full time. Mm-hmm. And I was so stressed out and everyone's like, why don't you just stop working? And I'm like, I can't because I have to pay my car insurance. I have to pay yeah. my, like I have to pay for gas. I have to be able to like get to work. I was like, I have to get to work and get to student teaching. If I don't, I'm like, I need money. Well, what I would do, cause I, I never had a job like throughout the year in college. I, would, I don't understand. I had no, like so I was many able jobs. to really like penny pinch my way through where, aside from tuition when it when we were student teaching it was like yeah i had to drive like 25 minutes to the school that i was teaching at and i would work all summer and take as many shifts as i can just like work my butt off over the summer and start hoarding that money into my savings so that I could use that for the gas money or yeah. whatever food that I needed you, to. You keep in mind, Anthony and I met our sophomore year of college and we started dating. And so we had a couple of summers before, you know, we moved in together after college was like done. Mm-hmm. So when Anthony would go home for the summer and he'd do all these shifts, it caused kind of like friction sometimes in our relationship because I, this is like, the only time we could we spend time together and different we were hours we were both working we got really angry at each other because it's like i was working and he was working and we were working working like opposite shifts from one another and we had no time to like and i worked a lot of weekends because a lot of parties were weekends mm-hmm. so we were struggling to find a time where we both could like meet up and be together and a lot of our relationship was over the phone for like a long well, time. I, I go back and think about that sometimes, too, where we have only been living with each other for three years, three-ish, year, almost four. And prior to that, like, we're in, what, year eight of our relationship? So um, prior to that... The Ocho. What? The Ocho year. The Ocho, yeah. <laughs> um, prior to that, it was a lot of, like going when we weren't in school with one another it was going back and forth from where you live to where i live taking trains driving uh working with our our shifts at work to try to organize this but then there was that student teaching semester where we really didn't see we each didn't other. see each other at all it was mostly calling texting facetiming mm-hmm. because he we was were both working on ed tpa and everything well you have to think i was at home I didn't choose a placement that was like at school. Yeah. Because I didn't want to work down there. So I chose up by home and I even uh, like I I applied to work at where I student taught. The reason they didn't give me the job is because I didn't have any experience. Same. Was, same here. And I said same here. I, I, I looked at them and I, I, them. I, I look at them and I think to myself what <laughs> so i remember i was like why would you take in a student teacher mm-hmm. w- if you weren't willing to like have that person as a teacher at your school thankfully i am now at a district where even though sometimes i don't like it i love my job that's that that's that parent thing i i love you i'll always love you but i don't like you right now 
Yeah. That's how I feel about my job right now. I love my job, but I don't like it right now. When, when but I, I have was, to put on that show because now I myself am taking in a student teacher. Yeah. When I was um, student teaching, there was a job opening um, closer to when I was like finishing up. And I interviewed for it. The interview I thought went well. Um, I We had to do like a demo of us teaching to like a random class. Did that. Nailed it. Taught about the Gettysburg Address. And um, then like all of a sudden they hired some guy that like... Because there were two student teachers in the history department at the school. And we both did what we needed to do because we both wanted the job. And like we worked together a lot. And... Um, Neither, neither of us got hired. They hired some outside guy. And I feel like then and, and then I talked to the head of the department. Well, first of all, I applied and never heard anything back. And then I talked to my CT and I told her, I was like, you know, I applied for this and I haven't heard anything. She's like, that is really weird. You're like, they should give you a chance. And she vouched for me. And I think she got me the interview. But I don't think that there was any actual like interest in moving forward with me. And then basically I talked to the head of the department and uh-huh. I asked her, I was like, because she was in the interview and I said, is there anything like, do you have any notes, anything that I can do better to maybe get a job somewhere else in the future? And she was like, nope. <laughs> she said, my, nope, no notes. Okay. So mine like, You're was, just not that guy, pal. they asked me questions about how I would start the year and I was candid about them with them. And I said, well, I've never been at the start of a year mm-hmm. of school. Like, I don't know what you do the first weeks of school because I've never seen it. I've never been there. And it's like, you can't expect people who have never been in that situation. I- I'm going to tell you, I was a star. I'm a star. Like, my first year, yes, I struggled. D- I did my best. We're all just like trying to keep our head above water the first year. I beca- can, I, can I be very candid with you? Yeah. Teaching is not hard. Like in some regards, yes. In the wider scope of it, yes, it is a difficult job. But if you are... The actual like part the actual- of te- teaching. <laughs> yes. It's like everything else is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Like grading and meetings. It's all the and behind, being, the, the behind the scenes like, stuff is overwhelming. The data tracking and testing and all this other stuff. But the actual like being in the classroom and talking to the children and like teaching them stuff is not the hard part. Exactly. And I'm like... That's, that's what I, I meant by that. I want people to understand it's like... That is what you see. If you that's are, what, that's what parents listen. see. That's what the outside sees. They see only the teaching part, but they don't understand all the other stuff that makes teaching difficult. I've always thought about this because I look at some of the teachers, and I'm not going to name names. Because look at there some are students of, listening. There may be people that are listening, but I look at some of the teachers, past and present, at the school that I work at, and I'm like, how, how is this diff? Like this isn't difficult how is this difficult for you? And like, there are some things that I hear stories about and I don't know if they're true. They're just like little things that you hear. But I think about some of those stories and I'm like, how in your right mind do you as a teacher of many, many years think that it is okay or appropriate to do that in class? Or like, why are you doing that? I was talking to um, one of the veteran teachers at the school at our Christmas party. And I was like, There are things that, you know, I've come back to because I went to high school at the school that I teach at. And I was like, there are things I remember one of my mentor telling me 
you're going to look at people differently. You're going to look at some people more positively. You're going to look at some people more negatively as you get to know them as teachers. And as people. And as people. And um, I was telling her, I was like, it is true. And she's like, well, what is one somebody that you have changed? And I was like, well, the dean of students, for example. I Once I learned what he does on a day-to-day basis and everything he does and everything he goes through my amount of respect for that guy went through the roof like his job is difficult his job is difficult and now that i'm a teacher and i see everything i respect him a hundred thousand times more than i did when i was a student not that i disrespected him as a student but i just didn't know and then there are teachers where i told her i'm like i'm not going to name names or anything but there are some people in this building that i'm like I think they do things, but they don't question why they're doing things. Like, what if I have this project, for example? Why? Why? What do, What do the kids gain from this? You know, is this pedagogically something that is defensible? Um, is this something that I can assess or use data for? Or am I just giving them a project to give them a project? You know? And she was like, oh, I totally agree with that. So I forget where we were going with this. We went on. Yes, a giant we did go on a giant tangent. tangent. So I think it's time to get into. Oh, our actual... we didn't even do the intro. Welcome to the. Oh my gosh. How scary is it? Podcast, a podcast in which we watch movies and determine how scary is it. My name's Anthony, and I'm Bree, and uh, we have a movie for you today. Yes, we do. The movie <laughs> is called Creep. It's a found footage style movie, and it was mostly an improvised movie. Creep, uh, released in 2014. I got to get my IMDb page up right now. Give me one second. Creep. It was actually pretty. I mean, it it lives up to its name with the name Creep because the guy is a creep. Creep is a found footage psychological horror movie directed by Patrick Bryce and uh, starring Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass. Story by Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass. Um, it had its premiere in 2014, uh, but it was released on video on demand in 2015 and released via Netflix in 2015. Interesting. Um, I couldn't find how much the movie was made for or how much it grossed, but I don't think that that matters. The reviews though are like phenomenal (laughs) for this movie. It's got like a 90% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like... A critically acclaimed found footage movie. I must admit we have seen this movie before. Yes. Uh, this is a rewatch. This is a rewatch. Um, f- we watched this originally, I think, in like 2000, maybe 2015, 2016 on on Netflix. Uh, there was a time period when we were starting, when we had first started dating where I would go to Bree's dorm and we would watch like a ton of movies we would watch well, like, a, what a else bunch are you supposed stuff. to do yeah we'd on our laptop just watch a bunch of movies queen, 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 queen. and <laughs> we would um usually watch like scary movies i remember we watched one about like a deaf girl that's in a house i i see, keep seeing it on netflix but i can't remember what it is um and then i i, I like distinctly remember watching creep um on your computer in your dorm <laughs> But all the good uh, old days. Creep is a movie. It's found footage film. 
about um, a man named Aaron, a videographer who's hired by another guy named Joseph. 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 Um, Spelled J O S. E-E-F, which is No, not, just one E. Yeah, E-F. <laughs> I had a stutter there. Sorry um, for, you know, having a stutter. So, <laughs> Rude. <laughs> anyway. So uh, Aaron is hired by Joseph to film uh, a day in the life of Joseph. He claims that he has cancer and he claims that he's filming this for his unborn child so that his child can see a little bit of what his dad's like before his dad passes away. And... Throughout the movie, we get this very slow build-up and tension to just creepiness. Yes. The movie is affectionately titled Creep because of just how creepy creep. this <laughs> guy is. The guy's a creep. So, um, wh- I got to ask you, Brie, do you remember, did you remember anything about this movie the f- since the first time we watched it? Um, I th- remember it being like the guy is like a killer. That's all I remember. That's all you remember. That's all I remember. I, I I did not remember a lot of the jumps. I didn't remember the ending really. Mm-hmm. Um, you were like surprised at the ending, and I then was like, I was like, "Bree, you saw this." I right? know, I saw, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> so, but I have the memory of an ant. I like what we we've been doing lately of just like picking out horror movies you know that i don't think this was on my list at all we were just like flowing through netflix seeing if there was a horror movie and i've been itching for a found footage horror movie we already have our next one picked because it's one i asked for i wanted to see the theaters but we never did oh yeah yeah okay well we're not gonna spoil yeah it's gonna be a surprise everybody so i've been itching for a found footage movie since we watched host because i loved host so much and I think this really like scratched the itch with it. And I would say that this is up there with like one of the better found and there are like se- There's like two sequels. There's one sequel and there's a third sequel that's been in development for a while. Oh. I do not remember what the second movie is about at all. I, I remember watching it with you in the basement of your parents' house. I think on like New Year's or Christmas or something. That seems like something we would do. I don't remember watching it. I either. don't remember anything. Um, but yeah. uh, gosh, overall comments before we get started. Um, it was a lot jumpier than I remember. Yeah, I do. I was worried that I remember this movie being somewhat slow, and all found footage movies kind of meander in the beginning in the first act. Well, but they have to because you have to. That's just the way found footage is now we've been talking a lot in the past few episodes about character development in movies where we watched x and that had like it spent a lot of time getting to know our characters so that we understood their motivations a little bit more and then we watched the unborn which spends absolutely no time getting (laughs) to know our characters my bad Um, i didn't remember i wanted to see if it was as bad as i remembered it, it it was it was worse. worse. Maybe worse. <laughs> it was worse than you remember. So, character development wise, uh, do you think that the movie was good in in getting to know both of our main two characters, Aaron and Joseph? I mean, we got to know. Uh, we got to know a version of Joseph. Yeah, yeah. Not well. That's the fun thing about it is you don't know what's the truth and what's not the truth but you can still get a little bit of who 
the character of Joseph is. He's just a really weird dude. A very strange. And he keeps getting caught in these lies throughout the movie where he's unreliable. We don't we all's we know about him, we don't know a lot about his backstory, but all's we know about him is that he is mysterious and weird and has money. Yeah, and has money. That's that's one thing as well. Um, Aaron, on the other hand, it's through the very much improvised conversations that Joseph and Aaron have with one another that I think we do get to know a little bit of Aaron that he is kind of this guy who takes this job and I think he feels when he starts believing the cancer story. He feels a little bit bad and sorry for Joseph, but then it starts to turn into, this okay, am I in danger yeah, right now? Yeah, this guy's kind of weird. Like, I want to get going. The one thing that I don't think that Aaron did well... Well, did Aaron ever try to call the cops? No. I don't remember if he did or not, because he kept getting these... And we're going to get into it later, but he keeps getting videos sent to him from joseph and well he did call the cops but they asked what was his name and they're like well i don't know his name where does he live well i don't know where he lives and honestly that's like the cops cannot help you if you don't know the person's name or where they live and they're kind of you're kind of just waiting for that person to like do something because you can't yeah press charges against someone unless they do something Mm -hmm. like and that's why i think cops are useless anyway in terms of a found footage movie and why I think this is in the kind of upper echelon of found footage horror movies is because it feels as though it is found footage. A lot of times, I think when found footage started becoming like a popular thing with maybe Blair Witch Project, you did get that feel of this is something that somebody just like found in the woods and now we're watching it. But as found footage started to become more popularized, it began to not become a parody of itself. But, but it, let me put it in the terms of VHS. We love those found footage movies. They're 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 terrible, but, but they're, they're awesome. But they're like, no, <laughs> no way is this like realistic found footage. No way is this. You're like just like watching believable but they, but they, found footage. They frame it in a way where it's like there's a there's an overarching story in VHS of characters putting in videotapes and watching this short film happen which is acceptable for found footage they are finding the footage but i think of like movies such as i'm gonna use a movie that we watched in your dorm that you may not remember the gallows do you remember that movie about the the theater stuff and it's like spooky or I'm going to use one that we actually do like this movie, but it kind of poops on itself with found footage as above. So below. I love that movie so much. As above. So below. There's no way that anybody can find this footage. Oh yeah. (laughs) There's no way anybody can find this footage. So my point is as found footage started to become more of a popular thing throughout mainstream cinema, we started to lose focus on finding the footage or framing the footage in a sense where you can, somebody picked it up and put it in a DVD player and watched it. Um, But this movie, it is very much believable that 
these are just two guys that are hanging out and one of them's being real weird and somebody just like found Aaron's video camera. Do you think I like As Above So Below because it has like it's like has British roots and they mentioned Nicholas Fomel and the Philosopher's Stone and that's and we've been like, watching a lot of and, Harry Potter and I'm like a big Harry Potter nerd. Maybe like that's why I like maybe as above so below i'm like ah nicholas flamel i know nicholas flamel because hermione brings it up in the first harry potter movie because they're talking about the philosopher's stone which is also what we're they're talking about in as above so below yeah so maybe you like it because you're a harry potter fan maybe anyway maybe we'll get to as above so below in a later date but my point is that i, I were i think this movie becomes really authentic is in how it's filmed how it's edited and the conversations that are had between the two characters. Mark Duplass uh, has said in interviews that they took a lot of inspiration from movies that were just kind of focused on two characters having interactions with one another, such as, uh, um, what is the movie? Uh, My Dinner with Andre and um, Misery, Stephen King's Misery. And I think that really shines here because not only... Is this a movie where it's basically just two characters interacting with one another for the entire movie? But it's also, you can tell that the conversations are improvised. You can tell that there was no script. And yeah, there's several the, times via the like... IMDb, they had a five page outline. They shot the movie in a week, and the outline had notes on it like, Aaron is in car giving dialogue and it's like, just go, just start talking about stuff. So all the stories that they start talking about, about these characters past about Aaron having a a conversation about feeling shame because he peed his pants when he was a kid. That isn't, and I have to imagine that's an entirely improvised story. The story about the the friendly wolf and the song that friendly wolf sings, that's all improvised. I want to say... I hope that was Mark Duplass just being like a fool on camera. That's what it felt like. <laughs> that that song was entirely made up on the spot. And yes. I, and I can tell when a song is made up on the spot because I do that like yep. all the time. And you're like, it's good, but it's also like not really rhyming sometimes. And it's kind of so a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that gives it a lot of authenticity because it does feel like these are just two guys in the woods with a video camera and that's exactly how it was shot. (laughs) This movie where I think I gravitate to it so much is because I've always wanted to make like a found footage movie that was similar to this. It's very like um, you could just very little budget go out somewhere and just make a scary movie with like two or three people. And he so wanted to do we'll talk about this. He so wanted to do a Scooby-Doo found footage movie, but like it's kind of scary because I've like always had the idea like, of a Scooby-Doo found footage because they're dealing with like a real like criminal thing and not like just like a guy in a mask and like it's scary and found footagey and it, but it's still, you know, Scooby-Doo. I've always thought Scooby-Doo would thrive in a found footage environment so much so that when I tweeted about it in high school, I tweeted about a Scooby-Doo found footage idea in high school and I got retweeted by the Scooby-Doo Twitter account. <laughs> Listen, we have ideas yeah. here. Hire us. Mm-hmm. I would love to be 
in the Scooby-Doo movie, what Scooby-Doo character would I be? Scooby. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, No, we'd have to actually have like a real dog for a found footage Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah, I know. And... But great. This is where the budget won't won't work for us. Like I'm trying to operate on a shoestring budget here. I'm trying to make sure I have enough money for the camera. I have enough money for the location. And you got to like hire a dog actor. Too much. One of my favorite found footage movies that we've watched recently, and we're going to have to at some point revisit this movie for this podcast, is Bad Ben. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't watched Bad Ben. It's on Amazon Prime. It's free. <laughs> it's like an it's like an eighty minute banger movie, and it's about this guy who is like super disrespectful to the ghosts in this house, and he buys a house off of um like a, a police sale to refurbish it and resell it and make some money. But as he's in the process of like fixing it up, he starts to notice like paranormal stuff happening. But you can so tell that this movie is made by like this guy alone. <laughs> and he just like had this house and all of the effects and everything are like you can definitely tell if somebody's got like a fishing wire like pulling the chair backwards um there's it's so creatively intriguing to me that like i so want to know how he made this movie because it seems like it was just him and like maybe a couple other people that were working behind the scenes That's a story for another day. But I had the similar feeling when we watched this movie that was like, it definitely feels like two guys that said, I have a great idea for a found footage horror movie. Let's go take a week and shoot it in the woods. And so we open up this with, um, you know, this guy, he's talking to himself. It's Aaron in the car. Obviously, he's just like droning on and on. I wasn't really listening to what he was saying. I forgot. Um, and then he knocks on the door and there's no answer. And he calls the guy he's supposed to be working for and he's not answering. And there's like an axe in the tree stump. Um, so he goes and he's like, I think I'll just go sit in the car. I think that's the best thing to do is go sit in the car. And then we get a jump scare right at the beginning, which I jumped. I was like, ah. Um, and it's Joseph. Um, he just kind of like pops his head. He's like, there you are. Blah, blah, blah. And... Um, all I have, he scares Aaron like immediately. A lot. Aaron is kind of like uh, unnerved. He's a little unsettled by by Joseph, and when it comes down to like what makes Joseph so immediately creepy, do you think it's the audience's expectation that we're watching a movie called Creep? Maybe, and we're we're kind of uh, waiting for it to waiting, get weird. Yeah, we're waiting for and it to I be creepy. Or it immediately it- gets uncomfortable. Because he's like introducing himself and he goes for a hug. He's like, might as well get the, like, I'm a hugger. And like, he's like overly nice. He's oversharing. And he like immediately, like once he gives Aaron a hug and then he's telling about his brain tumor. And like getting well, mut- I understand why he brought that up because it's like, Aaron, that's why Aaron has to know why we're filming this and why it, it matters. So, Joseph goes on this, with the story about how he has a brain tumor and the doctors gave him two to four months to live and he hopes he beats it. But his wife is pregnant with their unborn child and he wants to film a, a day in the life of Joseph so that he has some way for his child to know him a little bit. Um, 
we ultimately come to find that is not true, but it's it takes a little while for Aaron to figure out that that's not true. Um, then we, the first, like, after their meeting scene, the first thing he does is, like, I'm going to go take, a, like, a, a bath. And he's like, come upstairs with me. But do you think that this is how, like, a normal person would react if they had, like, a document? So No, no one's like, <laughs> immediately, come see me nude. No, I'm just saying, like, you know when reality TV shows, the people who are being filmed, like, on Wife Swap or something are probably told like just act like the camera isn't there so move go on with your everyday life Well, yeah he goes into the bathroom and he gets he's about to get naked and he's like is this okay like it's okay right and he gets in the tub and then tubby time and he talks about tubby time with his dad it was very uncomfortable um he's pretending like he's like giving a child a bath and it's just weird it's weird would you do tubby time? Oh, my God. I think tubby time would be so much fun with a baby. <laughs> what is tubby time? Me and you in the tub, baby. I think this is the role that think, Mark Duplass was born for. I think <laughs> it's it's brilliant, though. Tubby time is brilliant because you as a parent might not have the time to, like, wash up all the time because, like, babies are, like, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So why not get in the tub with them and clean yourself while they're getting clean? I, what's creepy about this scene is that, or, like, unnerving about this scene is that he is acting as though there is an imaginary baby there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's washing we- the baby and, and getting, like, really intense about it. It's so weird. It's so It's weird. such a weird scene, but it's pulled off perfectly and by this actor. After this, we get the they're looking for hats because they're gonna go out and um aaron is the one looking in the closet and he sees the mask and it like it's a jump scare it it's scares a him. Uh, scary big bad wolf mask yeah it's a scary mask and um then joseph's like oh you found peach fuzz and i'm like, like what? oh you're scared it's just peach fuzz and he's like this is peach fuzz the friendly wolf and he and we have this weird music moment where he's like riffing a song and like he has making the mask up a story on about dancing. making up a story about this peach fuzz. Doesn't he say something about his dad made yeah. up a song or made up a character? Peach fuzz. Peach fuzz. So he wouldn't be afraid of like the wolf or something. Yeah, but the mask itself is like horrifying. Oh my god, it's so <laughs> terrifying. Um, and Joseph takes him to the woods and then runs away just to scare him, like a jump scare. What is like so weird about he does these that interactions? Several times. What what's weird about these interactions is that these are like activities that nobody wants to do. Like a kid would if, if you're filming this for the the child, no kids going to want to watch their dad do these activities, tubby time, whatever peach fuzz dancing, and then they say, "Oh, I heard uh, you know a, a story about this lake that's supposed to cure the heart or something, and we're going to go try to find the lake and we're going to cure cancer." And it's like, these, this is weird. This is a weird activity to do. And they go and they find this like little area of rock that's shaping a heart. And they decide like they're going to leave. Um, And Joseph's like, we'll go to this place that my family. Well, no, they start bonding over it because like. It's like a miracle. Jo- Joseph keeps scaring Aaron and he's getting like increasingly frustrated. And then when they actually find the. Well, first of all, he asks Joseph, like, do you know your way back to the car? And joseph very nonchalantly is like nope nope don't worry about it (laughs) 
Um, but, but then they start bonding over the finding this lake and they hug and they like put water over each other and it looks like they're developing like this friendship. And then he's like, oh, let's go get some lunch. And he's like, let's go to this place that my family always used to go to. They have really good pancakes. They go to this restaurant and he's like, I'm going to look at the menu, see if there's anything good here. And he's like, I thought you used to come here all the time with your parents. So that's the first and like that's the first we catch like that's the first time you're like maybe this guy isn't telling the truth because he needs to look at the menu to see if there's anything good there yet he said they have the best pancakes and he's like of course the menu changes all the time i think i'm just gonna get the pancakes he ends up getting the pancakes yeah and this is why i think like this movie it doesn't meander in the beginning even though it might feel like it meanders we're establishing these characters and it's the slow build. We've been talking in the podcast a lot with these horror movies about how you you can't just hit us right away with things like the slow build towards the tension and to release the tension is psychologically messing with your audience. And as this is a psychological horror film, we're looking at this and saying like, okay, we need to establish kind of who Joseph is at first and have this very slow buildup where the audience is getting this increasingly unnerving and unsettling attitude about Joseph. We're catching him in tiny little white lies. We're seeing how weird he is. We're seeing the camera linger on him a bit more, how he stares at Aaron. You know, things like that that are just like... Unnerving. This is unnerving. Well, we get to the point where they go back to Joseph's house and um, Aaron's like ready to leave. Well, they see the axe at, and like casually, Joseph's like, did you think I was going to kill you with that? And Aaron's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's like Aaron wants to leave, um, but he's like, oh, no, come in for one like one more drink, please. Blah, blah, blah. So he does come in for one more drink and then he wants to leave. He can't find his keys. And he oh, um, correctly assumes that. Joseph, Joseph took, took the, keys. the keys. Well, when they're at the diner, they start having this conversation about like, Joseph's like, what is what is the thing that you regret the most? Like they're having this like very deep conversation and it's like a very forced deep, you know, how when you are getting to know somebody and you start having like very uh, intense, deep conversations about somebody's personal life, it's not always, it, it's usually casual to a point where it's like, we are okay with talking about this because that's where the conversation has gone. Yeah. But instead, Joseph just like is randomly asking without leading up to these very intense conversations. So Aaron is caught off guard by this, tells the story about how he peed his pants when he was a kid and he's like the first time he felt shame. And then he asked Joseph the same thing and Joseph pulls out his phone and shows that he was taking pictures of Aaron while Aaron was sitting in his car. Did you miss that? No, but you're looking at me like I know, but I like I was paying attention in the movie. I must have just forgot. Yeah. And he's uh, uh, Joseph starts saying, like, I was nervous about meeting you because this is a weird like way to meet somebody. So I figured if I got to know you first, it would make me less uncomfortable getting to know you or getting to meet you, Um, which is like some BS explanation for what happened. (laughs) Aaron kind of writes it like he sees it as a little unnerving, but he writes it off. But to the point where he he wants to go home. Yeah, so they're walking up the stairs to back to the house and this is where we get that po- like the poster for the movie where it's the lights silhouetting um Joseph and this very creepy image of Joseph like 
no, you probably shouldn't go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we don't see his face at all, but we do hear him say, like, trying to convince Aaron to stay and being real creepy about it. And it reminded me of, um, do you remember in the movie Zodiac when Jake Gyllenhaal's character <laughs> is trying to find who the Zodiac killer is and he goes to this one uh, person's house and the person, like, he gets this really creepy vibe off the guy and the guy says, like, why don't you go check the basement for this thing? And Jake Gyllenhaal's character is like, not many people in Los Angeles have basements. And then the guy just goes, well, I do. And, like, it reminded me of that scene where it was like, oh, crap. You know? Uh, um, I just, it, they, um, Aaron, like, once he can't find his keys, he decides, yeah, I'll stay. And he gives, uh, pours a shot. For each well, of they're, them. They're drinking whiskey. And yeah. Then, uh, Joseph says something like, look at us, two guys just drinking whiskey. And I thought about that Paul Rudd. <laughs> look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, he pours, uh, Aaron pours him like, uh, like a, a noticeably larger shot to, to get him drunk. Um, and they have this weird... Dark this weird manipulative conversation about, about money, and l- then they also have this weird conversation about um, how he essayed his wife. Yes, um, and it it's disturbing and very strange. And how Peach Fuzz was not actually like a children's thing. It's I got a much darker, deeper meaning about how. He assaulted his wife and things like that. And anybody hearing this story will be immediately. Will be immediately. And this like, is, I got to get out of here. This now. is the part where he tries to leave and his keys are missing. And um, then drunk Joseph is sleepy beepy and he he falls asleep. And Aaron's trying to open his pocket because he has a feeling his keys are in there. Mm-hmm. He the Joseph's phone rings, though. And Aaron takes it to like the bathroom and he answers it and it's Angela and Angela is supposed, Angela to, be, is supposed to be, be his wife. wife. But after talking, Angela is actually his sister and she um, tells Aaron, where are you? Tell me where you are. You need to get out of the house now. You need to leave. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I don't have my keys. She's like, just walk. Just get out. And he's like, am I in danger? And she doesn't answer the fact if he's in danger. So we get we get the sense that Aaron drugged uh, Joseph to fall asleep, wanted to get his keys, took the phone, got a call from Angela. And now it's like, oh, crap, we're actually like in danger. Because for a majority of this like first half of the movie, we're kind of left in the dark as, as a viewer to... Is he telling the truth? Is, is this he guy, not is this guy dangerous is he just weird is he telling the truth is he lying like we we don't know but now there's a sense of urgency like and he's a sense lying of danger we're, and it's da- like, okay. in, we're in danger we gets out and um joseph is like on the deck and he's like talking about his cancer and aaron's like i know he's like yeah i know you know no i know Angela called. I talked to Angela. And he just like runs away. And he gets like mad. He runs away. And then there's like, they have this weird like 
confrontation where he's in the wolf mask and he's like gyrating oh, so on the door. Cre- it's so creepy. It's so like that's such a creepy visual of <coughs> sorry of him blocking the door, gyrating, gyrating in a wolf in mask. the wolf mask, not saying anything, and then um he he asks Aaron asks Joseph while we have this shot of him blocking the door in the wolf mask, like, are you gonna let me through? And he just slowly shakes his head no. And he's like, are you planning on hurting me? Slowly shakes his head yes. It's so creepy. That's like very, very And they scary get into visual. a physical altercation, but Aaron ma- manages to leave. Um, mm-hmm. The next thing we, we get is a shot of Joseph in the morning with two black bags and he's digging a hole to put the black bags in. We assume at first, cause we don't see Aaron that that is Aaron in the bags. Yes. Yeah. We're um, meant to assume. We're meant to assume that. Um, but we, then we get a shot of Aaron and he's home safe and he gets that weird video in the mail. So he's like, well, I thought this was done. It's not done. We had a little scuffle, and then I, I was able to get away. Uh, jo- Joseph disappeared that night, but now I guess he knows my address. He knows where I live. Uh, he gets another, like, a package, and it's, like, a scary package. So he's, he calls the police. The police are like, you don't know his name. You don't know where he lives. Like, there's nothing we can really do. But, and Aaron keeps talking about how he's having these weird dreams of being with Joseph. And, like, Joseph's in the wolf mask. And he's, like, a little baby. And Aaron's a little baby wolf. And I think the reason why... As I was wondering, why are we getting this explanation of these dreams that Aaron is having? Is it to waste time? Is it to fill time for a movie? But I, as I've reflected on it a little bit and thought about it, I think it is a way for us to get to know Aaron a little bit more and be like, okay, he is deeply uh, uh, affected by his time with Joseph to a point where like he can't stop thinking about it. So I think it's also maybe to give us a little inclination of they did truly bond that day. I yeah. Think. Um, then we get this scene where, um, his lights go out. His lights go no, out. No, not his lights go out. He, like, hears a he noise. He hears a banging as he's talking about the dream. And, um. No, no, no. Um, different. We, we skip him. He gets a box that has No, a I knife. said he got the package. It comes with Oh, a, okay. I didn't say what came in it. It was a knife, um, a stuffed animal wolf, and a, the, a video. And a video of, um, Joseph basically saying, like, I thought we were friends. I thought we were friends. I gave you a locket and you. Oh threw no, the, the locket is in there. The, that's oh, a third video. That's a third video. The second video is like, I just wanted to apologize and like. Here's a locket. Yeah, here's it's all the a- stuff to commemorate our friendship and the way we bonded at the Lake of Heart or whatever. And uh, it's like super creepy. But then when Aaron is talking about this dream or he's talking about the package and he's trying to call the police, he hears this banging outside his house and he goes to investigate it and this is like also a very uh unsettling scene where we use found footage 
to our advantage here because with found footage, we are at the mercy of yeah. the person, the character who has the camera. And he leaves the camera when he goes to check out the house. And then we see as he leaves frame to go check the rest of his house, Joseph in the door frame. Yeah. Halloween and then style. as Aaron comes back into frame, Joseph disappears from the door frame. So it's like we know Joseph is outside, but he doesn't know. Joseph and he's rustling and he's making noises. And one thing that I noticed is that when Aaron opens his front door to go outside, he never closes it. But he walks like to the back to try to investigate what's happening. And I told Bree, he didn't close that back door. I know. And that's so unsafe. Well, <laughs> he that's, lives because, alone. that's because like I grew up in the city and I'm just like used to locking my doors all the time. Um, Aaron then is sleeping later that night after he finds nothing and Joseph's in the house and he cuts a piece of Aaron's hair off. Yeah. He's, he has the camera and he's filming Aaron while sleeping, which is also a very unsettling scene because we, we as the viewer know who's behind that camera. And then we get, he wakes up and there's the last video. Like uh, on the windows. On uh, his window still. And it's a cut screen. Like the screen is cut. So be like, place it in. Mm-hmm. Um, he watches it and it's kind of like, I'm upset because you threw away the locket and you threw away all this other stuff. And it makes me sad that you did that. I'm going to be at this park at this time. And I just want to talk. And, you know, it's like it's out in the open. There's it's no like it's a public place. Scared. Like there's no reason that you shouldn't show up. Like, I promise I'm not going to do anything. Aaron, instead of being smart and like calling the cops, goes but he's like, I have, I'm going to film it, and I've got my phone on speed dial for 911. So there's this park bench that he sets up the camera near, and he goes to sit on the park bench, and then he just like sits there. And we see it's very quiet. The camera is lingering in one spot, and Joseph is in a trench coat and walks slowly behind Aaron, puts on the wolf mask, and then we see he has the axe. And he's doing this like slow builds of like putting the axe over his shoulder like he's going to hit Aaron with it. And then he does it. He swings at Aaron's head and kills him. And kills him. And And Brie was like, oh. uh. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, we get like um, Joseph again talking about like, why didn't you turn around? He's like, he's like, I commend you for like filming jo- it. Joseph for having- is watching the video that Aaron was filming. Like now this is actual found footage, yeah. right? He found the footage. Yeah. And he's like, I don't understand why you do- went through the trouble of setting up the camera and having your phone to speed about, but you never turned around. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking too. When I was watching this, I'm like, why doesn't he he's look like, behind him? He's like, cause you're such a good friend. That's why. And, <laughs> and. He puts it on like the video on a shelf and we see all of these different. So this is like this is a serial killer. Yeah. At this point. And he's he's on the phone with somebody else using the name Bill. And he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. And that's where we end this movie. And I was thinking about like, okay, I gave X like a five point five or something. Yeah. And this is like a different type of scary. I think this is deeply, this is a deeply unsettling this movie. This is a disturbing movie. Yes, because 
and, and I told you this when after we watched it, I'm like, I think this goes a little bit higher than X in terms of how scary is it because, because this can happen to anybody. Like this is like real life, like possible. This is real life. Like you never know who you're going to meet when you take a Craigslist job. Yes. <laughs> you know, so I'm or asking- when, you, when you sell something on the Facebook marketplace or you you try to do business with somebody you never met before yeah. in a very a, like when you go way. on a first date with someone off of a dating app you never know who, you never know and who. it reminds me of this thing that I read online once and I told you this and it like sends shivers down my spine every time I think about it you never know who's watching you you never know spooky and it's such a spooky thought so with this I think that the sk- it's not so much the jump scares, even though the jump scares are put in there in a very uh, non-silly and a very uh, necessary way. Where the scariness comes in is the idea that you could just be walking into somewhere, some kind of job, and you never know yeah, you who never, this person is going to be know. and how they're going to affect you and if they're dangerous and if they're, you know... A creep. Yeah, if they're a creep. So I have to ask you, how scary is it, Anthony? I'm trying to think of where I want to put this in the ranking. I know where I'm going, like, straight away. Where are you going? I'm going for a 5.8. 5.8. Like, it is I higher was... than X, but I can't give it a 6. Because I can't. It's not, It's not like, past medium scary. Is it? Is it scary... And here's what I have to ask you, because X is like, it's scary to a point where like, in the moment, we're scared, right? Like we're in the moment, this is very creepy and weird and scary. But in, if you really like think about it, is it scary? Is it, does it become scarier when you think about it? And it's creep a movie where it's like, in the moment, this isn't a scary movie, but, but the more you it, think about it and the more you apply I, the scenario I, to I your everyday life. I with my 5.8. I think you'll probably give it a higher score. I was thinking my immediate scoring was a 7.2, Ooh, but I was like, that's high. pretty high. That's high. No, so I'm going to lower it a little bit because my goal- I would go, you know, even go like low sixes. I would go low six. I'd maybe go a six three. I would agree. Like I would it's a, a, a 5.8 to a 6.3. I would go a 6.3 because it resonates and it's applicable. The creepiness and the um, scariness of this movie is applicable to everyday life. As you never know who you're going to meet on the internet. <laughs> yes. You, you know, you never know who's behind the screen. You never know who's putting that job posting up for Craigslist. And so that, can, pre- le- that can lead to some really spooky stuff. So it's pretty scary. It's like medium scary. Yes. Um, I would go 6.3 because our gold standard, a perfect 10, is Halloween. And if we're always going to compare it to Halloween, the perfect 10, I think this goes to the 6.3 and it's got to be really high to make it past. It's got to be really good to make it past like a 7.5 if we're on that scale. I think it has to make me like scream for me to give it like higher than like a 7. Like it has, it like has to scare me. Mm-hmm. Like there's only been a couple of movies where I'm like, ah, I just feel like with me, I, I could tell you if we rewatch smile, smile moves up, a smile would move up probably past seven. Cause it is 
like but we've been talking about on the past couple of episodes of the podcast of like scariness is subjective so it's like what do we define as scary is it jump scares is it the ability to resonate with us for a while I, i think it is not only does it have to resonate with me but it also has to have disturbing like imagery no like elements to it like you have to use space correctly like negative space correctly you have to use like tricks tricks like you have to have let's let's talk about what did the I invisible give the un- man what did i give the unborn i forgot we gave the unborn like a, like a, a point five point <laughs> yeah, yeah like low score okay i think about start the, the invisible down. man because mm-hmm. that's like my gold standard for like how to use negative space sure nothing is scarier than a camera moving into a negative space and like you know something is there. It's the same thing that we talked about in the last episode with the unborn on like how to make something scarier than what they did in that movie. And it's the use of expectation and the use of audience psychology. And let's even talk about Smile again. Smile did like sensory overload. Smile Smile did sensory overload and Smile did this thing where it flips the camera upside down to immediately put the audience in a position that is uncomfortable. So like sensory overload is like a real good way to like, like get ready, get your audience ready for a scare. Yes. Because sensory overload automatically makes people uncomfortable. It's it's the thing that it's super loud. There's a lot going on. It's, it's scary. It's the thing that other horror writers have said about the jump scare, that the jump scare isn't an effective tool if you're just using it frivolously and you just jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. It's an effective tool to to mess with the audience in terms of how you use whatever it is after the jump scare. So if you have a jump scare of a cat jumping out and uh, you scare the audience... Well, for 20 seconds, the audience is susceptible. Like immediate. So I think about a good jump scare is you hear rustling. You go to approach the rustling and the cat jumps out and scares you. But then you turn around and there's the ghost. Exactly. Like that's how you capitalize on a jump scare. That's an effective jump scare. That's how you make a scary imagery even scarier to the audience. Because not only was it they are put in the weird psychological place after the jump scare for 30 seconds. Now you've used that to take something that is a disturbing imagery, but now you've made your audience, you're capitalizing on the audience's susceptibility to that to make it even scarier. You know what I mean? So there is a psychology to this. There is a method to the madness and creativity that goes into horror movies. You have to play with your tools. So when we're judging it, I think I think our standard are like the things that we have to go by with assessment. You know, we're teachers. If I'm going off of a rubric of how scary is it, which we should maybe create, that would be fun. Um, I'm, I'm maybe thinking about resonation or is that a word? Uh, the ability to resonate with me after I've seen the movie, the ability to make me truly think about it. I'm thinking about the effective use of imagery, the creative techniques that are used in the movie. And I don't know, I'd have to look at some other things. I just think there's so much that the expectation for me for a really good scary movie, it needs to be a, 
it needs to not just be a slasher, which slashers will score high. Some with of me. my favorites. Some stuff. of my favorite movies are slasher films. It, okay, can I ask you a but question before you? Move there on? has to be like sometimes a slasher can score high, like above seven, and not have any of those like artsy elements. But like sometimes slashers are just so scary. Can I ask like? Yes. What is your least favorite subgenre? Like your least. The thing that you would say is the most uh, or the least scary subgenre of horror. Is it like alien movies, ghost movies, slasher movies? What do you think is like I think the thing that just like doesn't doesn't rustle gore, your jimmies? Gore at all? doesn't like scare me. So if we watch like the Terrifier, no, I'm thinking like Saw. Yeah, like I'm not afraid of the Saw movies. Like they don't scare me. I would agree. I don't think gore is necessarily scary. But like extreme gore, I get like woozy. Like That's it doesn't, not scary to you. No, That's it's just, just sickening. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes Saw is that way where it's like very, very gory and I'm like, Ugh. but like those like heavy gore movies are not very scary to me, but it's how you use gore. That can be scary. But like... Splatterfest isn't scary. It's interesting. Alien movies like almost always scare me because aliens are real. Um, Ghost movies almost always scare me because ghosts are real. So it's like... I think that for me like the least scary movies are ghost movies. I I am so desensitized by it that I just like do not care. And then that's why we're going to have ghosts come into our house trying to scare you. Yeah. Okay. So we gave... I got to start writing this stuff down. Um, we gave, we gave I'm going to write that, them down on my notes. I gave this movie a 5.8. I gave it a 6.3. Um, I gave we gave the unborn. We're writing, we're writing it down. Um, I gave it a 0.5. I don't remember what I gave it. I think you gave it the same. And then X, we gave a five. We both gave a 5.5 too. out of a 10 point scale. Now, I'm going to make this rubric. No, I don't want to make we're a rubric. Gonna, we're assessing. I don't want to make a rubric because not every movie is going to score. I like to score with my heart. But it's like, what are we What are we judging on then? If, if it's scary. <sighs> but it can mean so many different things. Oh my things. God. Okay. The, but you don't have to use the I rubric. Will not be I use, use I'm the not going to use a rubric because sometimes like a, a slasher movie will not have those artsy elements, but it still deserves to be up there scare wise i suppose or can just we can do like the rubric and we can like really put our whole effort like into i scoring think these things. like friday the 13th is scary but it's not artsy at all yeah it doesn't use negative space correctly and like it's the jump scares are jump scares like we might look at a friday the 13th differently than we would look at like a midsummer like you know? midsummer's different scary midsummer Midsummer. It's different because it's considered elevated horror, but I don't know. We'll we'll have to discuss off camera of or off mic of what we want to do. If we want to do arbitrary scales where it's like nothing matters, or if we want to put our whole effort into creating a rubric for this. We are teachers after all. So I don't know. Bree, you want to end it? I think yeah, we said um, everything we needed. We both like the movie. We it, did. It, it was a perfectly fine uh found footage film um she's messing with her watch i know i'm messing with my watch anyway uh we don't have our social media 
platforms down yet, so we're not going to be sharing them. Once we get those all switched over to me, I will begin doing social media, interacting with people, probably doing some promotion on TikTok and things like that um, for people to watch How Scary Is It with Anthony and Brie. Um, you could always follow Anthony on Twitter. At GLDTV1. And if you want to get a hold of me, you got to look in the Craigslist ads. The Craigslist. Yeah. I'll be looking for someone to document um, my final days. <laughs> and, um, uh, we are available yeah. anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. There's a bunch of them. I think we're on Pandora. Um, I think we're on iHeartRadio. I, I don't know. We're on a bunch of things. RSS sets it up for me and it, they just tell me what we're on. But uh, find us wherever you can get your podcast. Rate us the five stars. Leave us a nice comment. If you want to shoot us an email or something, you can always find our email on our podcast page. And uh, if you have any recommendations for us, we don't have a list. Yeah, we're just riffing it every time. We just riff it. We just watch a movie and come on to the mics, get on the sticks and start recording. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this one. I mean, I'm excited. Um these podcasts are definitely easier to make than our these previous. are much easier oh my gosh it's knocking them out and it's like oh let's watch a movie tonight and we'll record tomorrow let's watch a movie tonight and we'll record tomorrow so like we're knocking things out and i'm not dragging my feet like i have before yay <laughs> all right let's wrap it up um for the how scary is it podcast my name's anthony and i'm brie and thank you for listening Pacha.